And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dezel and myself, Son Edom, we take a look at the issues that go on in this world and we talk about them and discuss them through a biblical perspective. And Dan, you know, one of the things that's kind of come to mind lately is, you know, what kind of culture are we cultivating here in America? You know, every time we open up the, the news, like I like to look at news online, I don't really watch news on TV anymore, but I like to, you know, peruse the headlines just to stay in the know, as they say, find out what's going on. And as I look through the headlines and read some stories and find out what's going on, it really seems like America is really taking a left turn, taking a nosedive. You know, we're really not cultivating a culture that is of something that is positive. It's cultivating a culture that is negative. It's almost like we're in backward, uh, backwards world. For example, um, out in Los Angeles, you know, you have law enforcement that uh, first off is being defunded, and then people realize that's bad. But then you have, you know, uh, city and county attorneys now wanting to prosecute the crimes. You know, you have uh, other areas where people want to defund the police. Or you have a place like Chicago where there's, you know, no gun stores in the city, but it's a war zone because there's so many shootings going on, and that's all encouraged. We look at, uh, you know, COVID, the COVID situation, and we have lawmakers from Texas fleeing the state and then, you know, starting to spread COVID around Washington, D.C. because they refuse to take up issue in their uh, state, you know, capital for voting. And so then, you know, when Republicans do that, it's a super spreader event and everyone talks trash about them. But when the Democrats do it, nobody says anything, even though it's life and death, right? With this COVID, mm-hmm. um, you've got a lot of people blaming the unvaccinated, you know, yet not realizing that recently in the last few months, you know, you had a huge immigration problem where a lot of people were being let into the country unchecked as far as their, you know, vaccinations and as far as being tested. And it's just blame the unvaccinated. And so you have this culture that is, you know, based on lies or as people say, fake news and misinformation. But it's a culture based on lies. It's a culture based on blame. It's a culture based on narcissism. It's a culture based on not taking responsibility for things. Everyone wants to blame someone else, like I said. And so when I look at it, it's like, what kind of culture are we living in? And how can we change and cultivate a culture here in America that reflects you know, more, I would say, godly principles, but that might be stretching it. But how about just positive principles? Yeah, you know, son, it really makes me think of what Paul wrote in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12. The first two verses there are so powerful. You know, he, he wrote, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And and, and the reason I, my mind went to those two verses, I, I think, Son, as you were sharing that opening, is is because you're exactly right about the culture. Uh, it, it seems to be getting darker and darker as you know, the, the, the worst ideas that man can come up with, uh, you know, seem to be coming to the surface and, and more and more people, you know, seem to be, um, you know, just jumping aboard. 
But but what we find in God's word is, is that there, there's a path to to sanity. Um, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Sunday in my message that uh, basking in God's love is is what brings uh, sanity and, and everything else just kind of flows from and results uh, from spiritual insanity. You know, we were not born with a renewed mind. Um, we were born with a sinful nature in the basement room of our soul, as I like to put it. And, and unless we have something, you know, like you said, positive and even more than positive, powerful, um, nothing's more powerful than the word of God, unless we renew our minds, as this passage says, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, um, then we're, we're, we're liable to, uh, to drift into, you know, almost any kind of darkness, I suppose. Uh, and what's interesting about these two verses, two signs, the first thing that gets addressed is offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, we live in a nation, Son, that, that didn't just, you know, wake up uh, overnight and, and, and discover this, um, this culture that we're in. If we were to go back, uh, let's say, 60 years from, from where we're at, you know, right now, and then walk forward, um, one of the things that, of course, America experienced in the sexual revolution is this whole idea that um, whatever pleasures you might be able to experience with your body, go for it because it's your body and no one can tell you how to use your body. Um, and, and rather than recognizing what the Bible teaches, that your, your body can actually be offered to God as, a, as an act of spiritual worship, you know, um, that's kind of an interesting way to think about it because, you know, we, we think of, well, spiritual worship, wouldn't that just involve my soul? But no, what Paul is saying here is, is that the way you use your body is actually a spiritual act. And, and, and so, you know, people, many have been taught for 60 years now that you can use your body any way that you, you might feel led to use it. I mean, if you have certain desires um, moving you to do this or to do that, regardless of what God's word says about the boundary lines um, that, that he's put in place for our protection, you know, regardless of that, the society has said, um, you know, do your own thing. If it feels good, just do it. And, and we see what that's produced. Um, when you throw your body um, after anything that might give you a momentary uh, amount of pleasure, um, when, when you seek, you know, just a hedonistic kind of a lifestyle, either through sexual immorality or drugs or, or whatever it might be, um, you don't, you, you, you don't feed your soul. You, you don't find yourself satisfied. You have to go back for a fix day after day. You're not happy until you get your fix, whether it be with drugs or with, with sexual immorality. Um, both of those things are so powerful. They, they are so powerful in, in a person. And, and so we're in a culture, son, that has taught people, um, use your body any way you want. And, and then, by the way, we're going to we're going to tell you what to put into your mind. And, and so the thoughts that are coming out, like you mentioned in, in many news outlets, they're, they're, they're darker and darker or they're things that will uh, be like triggers for people. You know, it's like, you know, um, you know, many news outlets these days, it, it seems like let, let's just see how little uh, we can have. Uh, covering the body of a, of a beautiful woman. And let's put out what's, what's almost like pornography in our, uh, in our news reports. Cause we're 
going to get, you know, we're going to make some money on that. Let's put out the stories that are just, uh, you know, the, the most egregious and offensive things that, that do nothing to feed the soul. They, they, they do nothing to build us up. Um, they do nothing but just um, spread information about things that, um, you know, are just in, in utter darkness. So, yes, it's a challenge today, maybe more than ever, for a Christian to renew his or her mind, to be transformed um, by the word of God rather than conform to the world. And all of us who are Christians face that, you know, that, that pressure. We face those temptations. We are in the culture, uh, but we don't have to be of it. And so we have to make wise choices with our viewing, with our uh, what, what we're letting into our mind, but, but what we're feeding our mind upon. Because unless we're feeding upon the word of God, um, really more and more on a daily basis. Um, there's so many other things that, that, that come in and, and just tear us down. Uh, so it's a spiritual battle. It's a mental battle. Um, but it's very doable. It's very doable um, with God's help. And it just takes a proper focus, doesn't it? You know, you talk about proper focus. You know, we have, I think, three areas in our country that people look to as a place of influence, as the savior of our society, you know, it's uh, politics. You know, everybody thought Joe Biden was the savior for, you know, saving us from a guy that, you know, tweets out evil tweets um, and was going to fix the world. And obviously that wasn't the case. Things tend to be worse. And that's not a political statement. That's just a factual statement. I think people are worse off today than they were then. But people look at, you know, politics as the savior. Then they look at education and academia. And then you look at religion and it seems like all three areas are in epic failure mode right now. You know, you can open up the, uh, whether it's the news or listen to people, whatever the case may be, and you find something where it's more negative, more negative, more negative, more divisive, more divisive, more divisive, and driving us apart. You know, even with, even with religion, you know, you've got people in the church that are divided amongst the silliest of things sometimes. You've got obviously greater things like ideology um, and theology that gets divided and there's a stand. But when we talk about not being, you know, conformed to this world, it seems like the church is conforming itself to the world because you can look at the church and you can see where things specifically stated in the Bible as things not to do are being preached or followed in the church. For example, let's just take something simple and controversial, maybe, as, you know, a gay pastor. Obviously, the Bible speaks strongly against the gay community, and yet there's churches out there that are saying and promoting, you know, gay ministers. How can you do that? Now, we all sin, and we all have sin in our lives, and I think the greatest church is the church that brings the people that are lost into the congregation. So if you had a congregation that was full of people that were, you know, cheaters and scammers and liars and, and, you know, maybe prostitutes and drug users and all this, and they were genuinely coming to the church to seek God. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic church right there. But what we get is we get these people that are coming in, probably most, a lot, a lot of people in the, you know, general church, I'm not talking specifics, you know, are just churchgoers that are probably saved, maybe not, I don't know. But they just come and they're just kind of following a theology of whatever the church says. And once it starts to deviate from what the Bible says, they don't speak out. They don't say anything and they start conforming to it. And the next thing you know, you've got this church conforming to the world standards instead of setting themselves apart. And now they're not renewing their mind, but they're conforming. And then now that teaches those congregants the lesson that it's okay to conform so that when I'm challenged in the workplace or I'm challenged in the academic place or I'm challenged in the political arena, I'm just going to conform to whatever's being told because that is what 
what my pastor or that is what the person that I'm listening to at the pulpit telling me it's okay to do on Sunday mornings. Yeah, you know, Son, um, I think of the, the title of a movie that's out now, I guess, and I'm certainly not going to watch it because it would have no value uh, for me to watch, but the devil made me do it. You know, so the, the, the question becomes then for, let's say, like these churches that you're talking about, and really any church we could say, Son, um, you know, are our churches, our church leaders, are they required um, to, when I say required, are they obligated? Uh, are they being forced to change the rules midstream? Are they being forced to um, say, well, you know, those biblical boundary lines were good maybe in the past, or maybe they weren't, you know, but we're not going to abide by them. Um, and, and, and the answer to my question is no, they're not obligated. They're choosing with their free will um, because they're feeling, obviously, the pressure, I guess, of, of of the culture. They're caving to it. That would be the only reason that, that a church leader would, would, would seek to move the boundary line and then just maybe even remove it. But like, like you say, son, we, we see that going on today. Um, and, and the only hope we have then is the word of God and, and to stick to it. Cause like you said, son, we're all sinners. Okay. So none of us can throw stones. Uh, you know, if we attempt to do that, then I mean, we're, 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 we're showing ourselves to not be at all, uh, you know, operating as, as Christians. And none of us can throw stones. But what we are called to do is we are called to maintain uh, biblical integrity in our teaching, in our preaching, and, and, and to seek to, of course, maintain biblical uh, integrity in our life. You know, it was interesting. Uh, what uh, Paul wrote to the young preacher, Timothy, you know, he, he wrote, watch your life and doctrine closely. And whenever I, I think about that passage, son, I, I, I'm struck by the fact that the first thing that Paul told Timothy you have to watch is your life, you know, because if you have true doctrine, but the enemy is getting the best of you and you're giving into, um, you know, things mentally or, or with your, with your behavior that, that, you know, are not, are not God's will for you. Then, then, you know, it, it's not going to work. Uh, you know, uh, it's not going to be something that the Lord's going to be able to really use to bless others. Um, I mean, and, and really, you know, for all Christians, um, even though, again, that was written to a young pastor, but we need to watch our life and doctrine closely, uh, Meaning, um, Lord, uh, what is it that you want me to do that will please you? Um, what does your word say um, is, is, is sinful in your sight and evil and wicked? And, and teach me what those things are, oh Lord. I mean, you know, the Psalms uh, have some, some great passages dealing with this psalm that, that where, where the psalmist is just saying, you know, Lord, for example, you know, keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be innocent of great transgression. So, so what the psalmist is saying there is, you know, Lord, keep me from all sin, but, but especially willful sins where I, I know it's wrong. Um, the word clearly says it's wrong, but I just charge ahead with it anyway. Um, so, so this is the daily struggle, uh, for church leaders, for Christians. And, and, and you may wonder, and I think that's kind of the, the, the point that you're raising here, son, uh, you know, people might wonder, um, how could a church ever begin to promote something that, that the Bible clearly says is sinful. And, and the only way I can think of that that happens is, is, is a, is a, a slow erosion, um, 
within that person's heart and mind. I mean, in, in some cases, Son, you've got individuals who've never been converted. Um, they, they, they've never known the gospel. They've never, um, you know, really been trusting in Christ for salvation. Now, in some other cases, I suppose you could have somebody who, who truly did trust Christ for salvation, but, but then, you know, as, as the culture chipped away, as Satan chipped away, and as they made willful trips to the basement room of their soul, um, they, they, they started to cave mentally and spiritually on, on maybe a particular issue where maybe they, they've known in the past that it was sinful, but now it's like, well, you know, times are changing and, and it seems to be okay in our culture to do that. And, and, and so um, uh, maybe, maybe we should just start saying it's no longer sinful. And, and, and the idea that a church would start doing that, um, I mean, look at what Jesus said to the church in Laodicea there in, in Revelation, you know, where there were uh, seven letters to the churches. Um, and and th- these were spoken by Jesus about 60 years after he died and rose from the dead there as, as John. Uh, was given this revelation, uh, and, uh, and 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 that was uh, that was written about uh, well, right about at the end of the first century. So that's where I say sixty years or so after Jesus' death and resurrection. But my point is, um, this is Jesus really rebuking the church in Laodicea, and, and I think, Son, that's really what I hear you referencing, kind of that uh, that, that that worst case scenario of a church where um, I mean, what they're doing is not faithful, where the Lord's having to rebuke them uh, in his word. And if they don't listen to that rebuke, um, well, you know, they're going to have to explain that when they stand before the Lord one day. And, and so it, it's a, it's really a, a, a call to all of us to um, check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, you know, and then go to the word of God and say, Lord, show me if, if I'm starting to cave to some cultural idea of what's right and wrong. And Lord, help me never to get away from what the word says is right and wrong, but help me to do so, Lord, with a compassionate heart, with an attitude that says, you know, hey, I'm just as sinful as anybody else, um, with a humility that doesn't look down on people for whatever they might be engaged in or teaching, but at the same time with an attitude that says, you know, hey, I, I'm not going there with, with my belief. You, you may, you may have chosen to go there, but I'm not going there. I can't because the word is 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 what sets um, the agenda, and not not the culture, and not maybe you know my own newfangled ideas of what might be progressive, supposedly. But but it clearly goes against the word of God. You know, the Bible talks about uh, wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so we're actually fighting a spiritual battle when it comes to things of this world. And as a Christian, you know, that makes it even a little bit more difficult. And we have to have, you know, kind of greater focus on the fact that sometimes what we're up against is, you know, what we can't see. And it's just kind of to use a term manifested in the person in front of us or the events or whatever's going on. Um, Do you think it's something that because you. It's hard to believe when you think of things in the Bible, like Sodom and Gomorrah, for example, you know, and how God just rained down fire and brimstone upon them. You know, how bad was that city? How bad was that place for God to destroy it? Or you take a look at the world, yeah. you know, when, when the flood was sent and God destroyed pretty much everybody except for Noah and his family. And so yeah. it's hard to think that today's environment is better than it was back then. I mean, you know, God turning your back on somebody, on something, and wanting to start over or destroying something completely, you know, it seems like there'd be some grave sin going on. There'd be like, you know, this this depravity that God just wants to start over. And I can't imagine that today's world is better. It almost seems like today's world would be worse. Is Satan, you know, as we fight this spiritual battle, you know, is, is the battle to uh, kind of bring it to, you know, 
um, non-spiritual terms, is it escalating? I mean, is Satan moving quicker, faster, harder? I mean, he's roaring around like a lion seeking whom he devours. I mean, is he trying to devour more people? Or are we just in a society where there's more people, so it's you know magnified? We've got outlets yeah. like social media and internet and millions of TV channels and cables and you know Roku's and Netflix's and all this stuff. So is the platforms just making it more available for us to see this and it's not so yeah. hidden anymore and it's not behind yeah. closed doors anymore, this behavior that God at one time wanted, you know, and ultimately destroyed and started over. Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, son, you know, the battleground has always been the mind, and, and that's true all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You know, when, when Satan came to seduce Adam and Eve, um, he seduced their mind. He, he seduced them with um, some ideas that he, he put out before them. And, and it was only after their minds had been uh, seduced that then they proceeded to uh, that next step of actually um, engaging in, in eating that which, which God said is forbidden. So in terms of whether it's, it's any worse today, you know, I, I, I don't know that it is. You know, when, when I think about, you know, Romans 1, for example, son, uh, there in verse 18, when it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And so what's in interesting there is, is that um, it was their thinking, the battleground in the mind, they, they, they began to lose that battle. And then the next verse on it says, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And that's key right there. And worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised amen because of this god gave them over to shameful lust even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones in the same way the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversions so um you know, this was the result of losing the battleground in the mind. And if I might read one more verse, it says, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave it over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Uh, they become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. And and thank you, son. I got a, a little bit more than one verse, I guess, in there. But but that was going on, you know, back in Paul's day. Um, so that's been going on, you know, certainly uh, for the past 2,000 years. But we read the Old Testament and, and we see those sorts of things were going on. 
then. So really from the time of the Garden of Eden, um, Satan has been trying to seduce man's mind. And that's exactly what we read here in Romans, because uh, it was their thinking that became futile. And, and, and also they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And that's what Adam and Eve did, son. That's what any churches do today. If they buy into some progressive agenda that says sinful behavior in the past and from clearly taught in Scripture, it's no longer sinful. It's no longer, and I'm not talking about, you know, obviously the, the Old Testament, uh, you know, ceremonial uh, rules and regulations that applied then. But, but I'm talking about, you know, God's, you know, you know the, the Ten Commandments. I, I'm talking about all of God's rules for righteous living, which... Um, and just for the way that you look at other people, whether it be, you know, prejudice, uh, a judgmental attitude, um, uh, hatred, bitterness, you know, all of these things are so clearly taught in Scripture. They come from darkness. So that's just a long way of saying, son, I, I don't think it's worse today. I, I, I think man has always had this basement room in his soul that he inherited from his parents. Um, God did not create Adam and Eve with a basement room in their soul. They did not have a sinful nature when they were when they were created, but they were seduced in their minds. And then they gave into it. And so everyone born in the world um, has been born with a sinful nature. You know, the Bible says in the Psalms, in sin did my mother conceive me. So, so I, I, I don't think we can say, Son, that it's any worse. Although, like you said, and, and, and rightly, I mean, um, because of the Internet and everything, um, it just gives, you know, many more uh, avenues for people to express uh, you know, wickedness. Now, granted, obviously, there are avenues to, to present the gospel and, and, and promote righteousness as well. But um, it, it, there's a lot of darkness uh, that, that gets put out there online and, and, and through, you know, um, new, uh, television and, and, and so forth. So, again, more than ever, we have to guard the mind. The battleground is the mind. Uh, don't believe everything you think. Uh, don't believe everything you see on TV or on the Internet. And if you want to be sure something is true, then go to the Bible, read the Bible, meditate on the Bible. Great peace have they, the Bible says, who love your law. Great peace have they who are rooted in Christ, you know, in his forgiveness. Um, this world is not getting any better. It's not going to get any better. Um, there are a lot of good things in the world. God created the world. But um, there are landmines everywhere. And we just have to be wise. Uh, we have to be careful. We have to be, as the Bible says, self-controlled and alert. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and what happened back in the 60s in America was people saying, you know what? Maybe we, we should just throw caution to the wind and let our bodies chase uh, whatever feels good. Well, we see where that, that got us, you know. And 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 then when the domino fell of just, um, you know, main, you know, maintaining and, and saving sex for marriage between a man and a wife, when that fell, um, you know, in a matter of decades, uh, then all of a sudden it wasn't just pushing so-called free sex, uh, but then it's pushing um, homosexual behavior. And, and because that can only satisfy so long today, now it's progressed. The next domino has fallen to this delusion that that a, a person can just make an announcement that there's a, a different gender than than they are, than they were born with, and they've been created to be. Um, uh, I mean, you, you can't change your DNA by proclamation. You can you can alter your body. You can take you know uh, hormone suppressing drugs, and you can even have a radical surgery that alters your body. But you can't change your DNA. You can't change your chromosomes. You can't change the fact 
that um, you're male or female. You know, it was interesting. I just happened to catch a couple minutes of it. Uh, I think we would flip the channel to something and uh, that uh, Janine, uh, Judge Janine, I guess, was uh, was interviewing um, uh, Jenner. Um, Okay, so oh, Caitlyn uh, Jenner from uh, California. Caitlyn Jenner, yeah, yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, yeah. I guess maybe what running for governor in California. But I was I was intrigued by one of the questions that she asked, uh, and and I thought about it some more. But she was talking about back when <laughs> Caitlyn Jenner had been Bruce Jenner and had been in the Olympics, and, and then she uh, Judge Janine asked this question. I forget the exact wording, but she asked something about, well, did she do this or that? And meaning, you know, back when, uh, when, uh, you know, it was Bruce Jenner and, and Bruce Jenner or sorry, Caitlyn Jenner, uh, you know, said, uh, well, I kind of noticed that you said that to be politically correct, but he said, he, he she, Caitlyn said something like, um, but, uh, but no, it, it's okay to say it, he, it was he, I mean, so it's like, wait, wait a minute. So if you're a she today, does that mean you were a she back then and you just didn't know it? And basically, Caitlyn Jenner was saying, well, no, I was a he back then. I mean, so, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely absurd. Uh, you know, if a little baby, um, you know, has, you know, male parts or female parts, you don't have to guess. Is it male or female? And, and, and the idea that somehow you can just announce, um, you know, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you, son, um, People have got psychological disorders at times that are related to anorexia. They're not thinking straight. Um, you know, you can have a super thin person who is convinced that she is overweight and, and that she should stop eating. Now, um, what doctor, what parent would ever tell that person with anorexia, okay, here's what's going to solve it we're going to take you in for surgery for liposuction because you're convinced that you're overweight. And so because you're convinced that you're overweight, we're going to, we're going to um, suggest radical surgery. And I say radical, not, not that it would be radical for anyone, all people, but certainly for uh, a super thin person who has anorexia, I would say um, liposuction would be a radical surgery. It's unnecessary. It's a mental disorder. Um, that doesn't mean the person is a terrible person. I mean, we all are broken and diseased mentally. We all are broken and diseased spiritually. We all are broken and diseased spiritually. So when we say it's a mental disorder. All we're really saying is, um, you, you know, there's a way to not look at yourself that way because it's not accurate. You're not overweight. You know, you need to put on weight. And the last thing you need is liposuction. But, but now what are, what are people being told in this culture that is diseased? Um, they're being told something so ridiculous that, well, because you, whatever your age, you know, you might be seven, you might be 17, you might be, you know, you know, Bruce Jenner's age when he made that change. Um, because you feel so strongly that you identify with the other gender, um, then we need to assist you in, in, in trying to make yourself that. And, and um, it, it simply is, is an example, Son, of, of people who have lost their minds. They don't know what they're doing. 
they, they don't know how how wrong that is, how it's not going to solve the problem uh, and, and why such a high percentage of people who are transgender then, um, you know, uh, think about suicide or even attempt suicide. Uh, you know, it, it's just not going to ever work. Um, no matter how badly your mind has been infected um, with this idea that you're the other gender, you're not. You know, you're the gender that you were born with. Um, and, and your DNA is not going to change. Your chromosomes are not going to change. I think there was a study in Israel here a year or two ago, and I think they found 6,500, you know, genetic differences between male and female. I mean, uh, you know, and, and now we've got things, I mean, I was just reading today, it's just ridiculous. So down in California, you know, anybody, any man who wants to identify as a woman can can go into the female jail. Now they're very worried about rape and pregnancies and, and even having, you know, rapists come into the women, uh, the women uh, prisons, uh, you know, and, and men who still have their male body parts on them. Um, and and I, what I read is there have been like 300 requ- requests to, to make that move and not one has been denied. I guess I read that maybe only 20 have been processed so far, but not one has been denied. So So is that fair to the women? I mean, how many women are going to have to be raped by 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 men who who simply just said, oh, hey, I'm a woman. You know, I've decided I'm a woman. But but that's how absurd the culture has become or or any athlete, you know, any any male athlete who who wants to compete against women. All he all he has to say is, hey, I'm a female, you know, and and whether it be, you know, weightlifting or whatever, you know, and 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 things are truly upside down. But the, our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is a renewed mind, son. Our only hope is, is the Lord's forgiveness. We're all sinners. We're all broken. And, and these examples that I'm giving doesn't mean that any one of these examples is saying that someone is more diseased or broken than you or I or anybody else. We're all diseased and broken. You know, we all need the Lord. We all need forgiveness. But, but if we can't even identify the problem, uh, you know, if, if told you, you, you know, and it, it's becoming that way. And certainly in other nations, uh, you know, it's a crime to even point it out. It, it's a crime to even point out the differences in some places between, you know, men and women. That's how dark the world is becoming uh, with, with losing its mind. You know, Dan, I take a look at uh, what's going on in societies. We talk about, you know, cultivating a culture and People were out protesting, you know, the summer of 2020, all the riots that went on about George Floyd and then some other things, you know, and then women, you know, they want equal rights and and they want to be treated as equals. And then you have, you know, how to treat people, you know, how we should respond to people. And it's funny because everybody is chasing this, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But yet what they don't realize, the answers are in the Bible. I mean, if you want to talk about yeah. being treated fairly, the Bible specifically talks about yeah. that, you know, that we're supposed to treat yeah. everybody, you know, fairly, right. equally, how we're supposed to treat people, how we're not supposed to. It gives us guidelines. Right. If you want to just take the theology aspect out of it, it gives us the guidelines. With men, how to treat women. Women, how to, you know, treat men. Um, you know, if we wanted to avoid um, disease, you know, how we should conduct our lives. If we want to live healthy, you know, a lot of people are chasing the health how we eat, you know, eating properly, um, decision-making. Mm-hmm. So all this worldly stuff that people are chasing, yet they reject the Bible, and the Bible specifically yeah. spells out how we should live so that we have good lives. Now, again, mm-hmm. 
when with the you know with the salvation message and and all eternity and the forgiveness of sin and all that in there as well but even if you took all that aspect out took the theology out and just looked at it as like a self-help book there'd be a lot of things in there that people could read and realize that oh this is the answer to the things that we're looking that politicians and other people you know can't uh can't fix and it's just amazing yeah. how people will look to everything else, anything under the sun, to try to find that thing that they're looking for, to try to find the answers to their solutions, or right. to find the solutions to their problems, the answers to their questions. And yet it's mm-hmm. specifically spelled out for you in simple terms in the Bible, yet we want to reject that. It's like, here, we're giving you the answer for yeah. whatever it is. Oh, you want to be treated fairly. You want justice for all well here's how we do it but yet we want to reject that and not look at that and i just find that amazing that people are quick to dismiss the bible you know they 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 say they'll they'll look at it in academics as a a historical book you know they don't really recognize Mm -hmm. the 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 religion in it but it's a historical book but yet people want to dismiss all the other good stuff that's in there that would help them achieve a better society you know cultivate a uh a uh, you know a world around us that is going to you know be better what everybody is you know wanting i guess uh in this day and, and age yeah you know son to put an exclamation point on, on on your on your uh thoughts there you know just think about like the two most important things really we could talk about you know first of course would always be god and the second would be people, you know, his creation. I mean, what's more important than God first and then people? But but to, to go to your point, um, if you're going to know anything about God and who God is and what he's about and what his plan is and what he wants for man and everything else, you've got to go to Scripture. Um, and, and what you're going to find if you go to Scripture is that God is um, he is one. He's one God. Uh, he consists of three persons. They are all eternal, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we use the, the term the, the Trinity to to describe and, and define God because he is three persons in, in one God. And, and any other definition of God um, is not going to be accurate. No matter what ideas man has about God, you know, you're, you'll hear people say, well, you know, you have, you have God in you uh, when you're born. Or um, when, when the Bible says, well, no, God doesn't come to dwell in you until you're born again. Um, or everything is God. Or God is this or God is that. And, and everybody, um, you know, seems to want to have their own definition of God. But the Bible gives us that. Likewise, the Bible gives us the definition of people. You know, it was like the guy who emailed me last week about an article I'd written last year entitled, uh, Why Didn't God Prevent COVID-19? And the premise of his, of his uh, very well-written email was just, you know, does God want people dead? And he quoted some Bible verses and gave some examples from the Old Testament. And so I rolled back to him and just and, and answered. Uh, but the first thing I said we have to consider, you know, to your question, does God want people dead, is what are people? You know, so, so just like we have to define God, we have to define people. And in First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless of, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So that verse uh, and other uh, teachings in the Bible, you know, tell us what man is. He's body, soul, and spirit. Now, now, no, granted, some people combine the soul and spirit in, in, in what's known as a dichotomy. I believe the Bible teaches that man is a trichotomy. I mean, you could believe one or the other and still have, you know, uh, equally strong faith in Christ. I, I just believe that, that, that man is three in one because we were created in God's image. The Bible differentiates those three, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Um, and, and, uh, you know, uh, Soma, Suke, and Numa, three words, distinct words in the original text, uh, translated in the English, body, soul, and spirit. And, and then what the Bible teaches, what Jesus taught is that you must be born again. So, uh, you know, in order for man to, to get God's mind on things, he needs the Holy Spirit because the, the Holy Spirit, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So, son, if people are going to understand things about God and things about man, then their inner core, their, their spirit has to come alive. And that only happens through faith in Christ as you repent and believe the good news. So knowing what, who man is, what he is, knowing that sin has, has corrupted man's soul and his relationship with God, knowing that God's law is perfect and that we're all rebels against God's law, knowing that, that, that sin separates us from God and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, knowing that Jesus provided the one answer and solution for our sin when Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God, knowing that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, then we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are able to trust in Christ, repent of our sin, and then we're born again uh, through faith. And, and the Bible uses terms like saved and redeemed and justified and forgiven and born again to describe a believer in, in the Lord, to describe a Christian. And now a person has, um, well, they have God dwelling within them. Uh, the Bible says your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, now you're able, you, you've got like these spiritual antennas that are able to pick up what God's saying in, in, in the Bible. Um, until you're, you're born again through faith in Christ, you, you, you're not going to have any spiritual discernment of what that means. You might as well be, you know, reading a language you don't know. Um, this is why the Bible is so confusing to people. It would be confusing to any of us, son, uh, unless and until we are born again, because the Holy Spirit in us then gives Gives us these insights into you know or, or hey no what, what better example than, than than the name of your podcast sanctified reason you know the holy spirit gives us sanctified reason there's human reasons on and and i mean there are some amazing scientists and and astronauts and doctors and teachers and 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 all sorts of people who are uh with their natural reason have 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 you know brought amazing things into the world and done amazing things for people but until you have sanctified reason um you, you could be an albert einstein but be a million miles away from god if you're if your spirit's not born again then you do not yet have a relationship with your creator. Uh, this is the teaching of the Bible. Uh, this is why Jesus said you must be born again. This is why the Bible says salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. So your podcast on sanctified reason is all about helping people 
to enter this realm of sanctified reason or, or to use an illustration like on the Chronicles of Narnia, going through the wardrobe into Narnia. That is a picture of an unbeliever becoming a believer. And when you enter that new realm, it truly is a new world. You mentioned spiritual warfare, Son. I mean, you've got demons and angels in that realm. You've got God doing a lot of things in that realm. You've got, you know, Christians who are growing in the word and other Christians who are coming under uh, attack, spiritual attack, you know, uh, fiercely by, by the forces of darkness. And yet we can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Um, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, um, you know, not everybody's in Narnia. Um, you know, many, many people have not yet gone through the wardrobe. Uh, Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Uh, many have not done that, son. I would encourage the listeners today, if you haven't seen it, watch the Chronicles of Narnia. And just remember that that wardrobe is a picture of what it means to be born again, saved, justified, redeemed, and forgiven. You do enter a new realm spiritually. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are given the gift of eternal life and, and the Holy Spirit as a, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. But only when you go through the wardrobe, only when you repent and believe the good news. So a lot of these things that we talk about sound on sanctified reason, of course, I mean, a, a believer is going to be able to, to, to pick up on most of what we're talking about. But an unbeliever, it's going to be a lot harder. I mean, it would be like if, if I turned on a, a radio station, Son, and, and they were talking in Chinese. I, I mean, that's almost like what, what, what an unbeliever is going to be hearing, you know, uh, you know not quite, but almost um, uh, about these spiritual matters. So you need spiritual discernment. You need the Lord to come and dwell within you. And it's a free gift. You know, as you repent and believe the good news, trust Christ as your Savior, and it's like a whole new world opens up to you, Narnia. Uh, but in this case, it's the Christian life with the Lord now inside of you and guiding you uh, as your eternal Savior and Redeemer. You know, Dan, it's interesting how as we talk, you know, different things come to mind. But one of the other things that I kind of find sad in this world is that, you know, we talked about the uh, transgenderism, how people even Christians, and we've talked about it before, just because you're a Christian, you've been to church, and you have the uh, the resume of a Christian, doesn't necessarily mean that you are truly saved. But um, and, I've, and I've shared this story before. Uh, when I was working on a Christian talk show, we would pose the question, the Bible says, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then we pose the question, hey, uh, is there any other way to heaven besides Jesus? And, of course, people would say, yes, there's many other ways. Well, then that same thought, you know, when it comes to that transgenderism is people, you know, Christians, you know, strong Christians that I've known believe that in transgenderism, you know, and, and that that's okay. And then the thought comes to mind when I asked him, I said, so you believe God got it wrong? You know, so God got it wrong and man has to fix what God got wrong. And they have a hard time answering that because, you know, that's a conflict in their belief system, I guess. But that's what we kind of come to. We've kind of come to this place in the world where we've got this two dual things going on, two dual lives, two dual worlds going on, and people are trying to make sense of both of them and merge them both together, and it can't happen that way. It has to be one or the other. You can't have God make a mistake and man has to correct it, which obviously is wrong, but you can't have that and then yet still think that God is the creator. You can't have the Bible say, you know, Jesus is the only way, but yet others are going to say there, there's other ways to get there to heaven. And so you got this conflicting thing, but when you talk about the Bible being confusing, I think that adds to the confusion because you've got people out there listening and learning under the teachings of people that are preaching this confusion, preaching this conformity, preaching all the stuff that's going on. And so as Christians, 
when you come up against other people, unsaved people, they'll turn and look to, oh, well, I knew this person who was a Christian and they said this, so therefore it's okay. And they're being justified in what they think in their conformity to the world because another Christian validated it. And yet it might be an anti-biblical stance. It's hard to come up against that when other Christians are validating the conformity to this world. Well, exactly, son, and and it does then boil down, doesn't it, to whether a person is going to go with what Scripture says or with what their friends in the world might be saying. Uh, You know, Martin Luther got to a point as as he was taking a stand for the gospel um, where, where, where he had to tell the leaders in the Catholic Church of his day that, hey, my, my conscience is bound to the word of God. So when he was pointing out some abuses that were going on and, and uh, you know, the selling of indulgences where the church was, you know, say, hey, you pay us some money and, and you'll have your sins forgiven. I mean, you know, what, 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 what more uh, example of an abuse could you have in a, in a, in a, from a church? But um, so when Luther was pointing these things out, he, he met opposition from the religious leaders who had the power in their organization. I mean, that doesn't mean they were leading the church of Jesus Christ. That means they were, you know, uh, they, they were leading their own organization. You know, the, the true church of Jesus Christ is the invisible church of all believers. It's across denominational lines. Um, Jesus is the head of the church. And and to, to be part of the body of Christ is, is to be a believer, you know, in that church. But, um, you know, you're talking about people who, you know, may, may, may find that the pressure of their friends upon them is great. And, and so they're not wanting to take a stand for what the Bible says. But um, look at how God used Martin Luther. Look at how God has used men and women. Uh, I mean, how about, you know, Corey Tenboom, uh, you know, in, you know, in the concentration camp situation of Nazi Germany. I mean, how about Christians throughout history, men and women uh, who have just been in such unbelievably difficult situations, but they've, they've, they've taken a stand on the word of God. So, so, you know, in that sense, things haven't changed son. I mean, today there are many, many, many unbiblical ideas being put forth and, and, and what a Christian uh, needs to say is, Hey, um, the Bible is, is what I believe. So um, when it comes to, you know, transgenderism, uh, it, it's a no brainer. It should be a no brainer for, for anybody who believes the Bible. You know, the Bible says male and female, he created them. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that um, if you and your mind become convinced that that you you no longer want to be the gender that you have been that you can change your gender um i mean you know we we would have probably thought you know 20 or 30 years ago i mean that, that that's just obvious that goes without saying but it's been repeated now so many times in the culture and and young people now have actually been duped into thinking oh i guess i guess i can change my gender you know i guess i can i just have to announce it I just have to announce it, um, you know, and uh, it reminds me of uh, I remember an episode on The Office with with Michael Scott, where um, he decided he was going to declare bankruptcy. And so he shouted the word bankruptcy and, and uh, he, he didn't quite understand, apparently, um, how you declare bankruptcy with, with uh, you know, the, the the correct way in the court and everything. But but I mean, is it really any different today? People are declaring I'm transgender. 
And, and supposedly then that's supposed to just magically make it so, you know, because I have felt like I must be the other gender and I'm hearing other people tell me that they made the change and I'm seeing these things and I've got these, these doctors and maybe even my parents or these at the school who are um, affirming my, my feelings because, you know, we live in a society, son, where our feelings are supposed to trump everything. Uh, however you feel about yourself, that has to be right because you are the center of the universe. You are all knowing. You are all powerful. You deserve uh, everything that you feel you are entitled to. And, and, and if that means that, that you're not happy um, as a boy or as a girl, as a young man or young woman, and you want to change that, then go for it. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like we've already said here today, Son, it, it doesn't change um, your makeup. I mean, even if you try to alter your body, and sadly, um, there are those who have done that. You know, it was interesting to me, Son, that here uh, maybe in the past month or six weeks, um, I, I heard about an episode on 60 Minutes, which would you, you would assume that they're going to be just be towing the transgender line. But, you know, you've even got some on the far left who are coming out against transgenderism. Um, and, and, and it was quite interesting that uh, a news network that, that normally would just basically regurgitate, you know, talking points from, from the left on, on a whole range of issues. They actually were interviewing people who had, who had become transgender and who hated what they'd done and their lives were miserable and it didn't make things any better. It made it far worse. And, and they took a lot of heat from um, many in the media because supposedly you're, you're not supposed to let those people talk. You're not supposed to hear their testimonies. You're only supposed to present those of these young kids or teenagers who are confused, you know, and, and, and how happy they, they supposedly are going to be if they make a change. But, but heaven forbid that we let some of these adults come on who, who've actually gone ahead with it and they are miserable and they hate it. And, and, and they, and they can't believe they were duped and they can't believe how much pressure they felt and they can't believe how easy it was to go into the doctor's office and, 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 and get that process started. So, so son, you know, there is hope on, on that issue. Um, there is hope when, when you've got people across the political spectrum who, who are realizing this, although I, I have to say, son, I, I read maybe a few years back and I, I could hardly believe this, but uh, the statistic was, uh, you know, 70 some percent of Democrats, according to this study, and I don't know what it would be with, with Republicans, but this was Democrats. So maybe it's maybe it's high with Republicans, too. But it just said 70 some percent of Democrats uh, believe that your your gender is not fixed at birth. And I'm thinking to myself and, 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 and these are supposed to be the people who tout science. These are supposed to people be the people who, who believe their interpretation of science is, is, is the only way you can look at it. And, and, and these are the people who are saying that when you see that little boy, you know, uh, you know, born there uh, from his mother's room, when you see that little girl and you're in that delivery room and you're obviously looking at a boy or a girl. And yet 70% of people in this one political group, and it may, it may be a high percentage in the other one too, because you know, there, you got messed up people in every political group. We're all a mess. Um, but, um, you know, you got 70% of people who, who, who think that they're, that, that gender is fluid. I mean, son, if that doesn't describe how messed up our minds have become, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, the only better example, I mean, biblically speaking, of course, is just, um, how messed up we are in our views of Jesus. 
you know, without the Holy Spirit. I mean, if that doesn't show that we're broken, that we're not running into the arms of the Savior who gave his life on the cross for our sins. Um, that's the best illustration of how messed up we are. But thankfully, God loves messed up people like us. And there's hope for people like us. And, and you know, the blood of Jesus forgives us. And, and at the end of the day, you know, God's not going to ask a person's political party or their political views. Um, you know, it's going to be, what did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus? And, 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 you know, son, that's really the biggest thing that, I mean, a person needs to get born again. I mean, even then, you know, you're not going to have all Christians agreeing on every issue, obviously, but, but a lot of the mess, uh, messed up ideas, I guess, that, that, that we all tend to have as people, a lot of them we wouldn't have to have. I mean, a lot could be straightened out if, if we would all just come to the Lord, uh, ask him for wisdom. And, and, you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So come to the Lord in humility. Uh, the Bible says that, you know, uh, Scripture is able to make us wise for salvation. And, um, you know, so you got to turn to the Bible amidst all these other crazy ideas that are out there. And, and uh, some will, son, I guess some won't. But that's that's the invitation God has. You know, whoever is thirsty, let him come. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Yeah, it's hard to believe that for a country that's supposedly so great that we've come to the point where we're worried about pronouns. We're worried about, you know, these little insignificant things. And that's taken, you know, precedent. And I think it's just the distraction, you know, the distraction that Satan's looking for to take our eyes off of God, our eyes off the cross and put it on the things of this world and conform to the things of this world. Because after all, that's his ultimate goal is just to take us and take our focus off of Christ and put it on this world and devour us and uh, take as many uh, people with him when he is uh, cast off on judgment day. And I think we have to be careful and guide and guard ourselves and make sure that we keep our eyes focused on that cross, because otherwise it's going to be uh, a dark and painful eternity if we're not uh, focused on Jesus. Yeah. I mean, there's only, there are only two options, aren't there, son, you know, in eternity, there are only two eternal destinations available to man and they're both extreme. You know, um, everyone listening should think of themselves son, on like a subway or, uh, I guess you could think an airplane, but think of subway. And so you're riding this subway and, um, this subway you're going to be on until you die. And, uh, there are only two stops, you know, this subway makes one is heaven. One is hell. And when the subway stops, um, you know, and, and it reaches your destination, that, that's where you're gonna, that's where you're gonna end up. I mean, the, the, the soul of man, son, is immortal. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? And the reason Jesus said that, one of the reasons was because man's soul is immortal. These bodies are not immortal. They're wearing out. We'll be given a new body, uh, in eternity. Um, everyone in heaven will have an indestructible body. Everyone in hell will have an indestructible body. Everyone in hell will want to die and be extinguished and won't be able to. Everyone in heaven will be so filled with joy beyond measure that you, you will hardly be able to contain it, but we will. Uh, it, it'll be a thousand, a million times more joyful than anything we've experienced here. There'll be no unfulfilled desires, no, no anxiety, no war, no crime, no pain, no, nothing. But just exuberant worship of God and, and, and a joy to, to be there. You know, I think about uh, Psalm 1611. You know, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And so, Son, today what God offers to, to people is eternal pleasures in heaven, eternal joy, 
Uh, and Jesus paid it all at the cross so that if a person will come to the cross, uh, meaning bring your sin to Jesus, ask him to forgive you, trust that he, he forgives you. And it's a simple uh, exchange. You give him your sin, he gives you the free gift of eternal life. That begins the journey of Christian discipleship. Um, you say, well, I don't have all the answers. You never will. But you'll have the most important answers. Who is God? Um, what is the plan of salvation? What are people? You know, as I, as I wrote to that man uh, who, was, who was really addressing a question that's really above our pay grade. You know, why hasn't God prevented COVID-19? You know, I told him, well, hey, you know, a bigger one than that is why hasn't God uh, uh, cured? You know, because he's running. Why hasn't God cured COVID? That was a question he had. Christians are praying about it. I thought God answered prayers, you know, that are prayed in Jesus' name. So what's up with that? And my thing was like, well, you know, a lot more people prayed for God to cure cancer. That hasn't happened yet. But these things are above our pay grade. We don't understand uh, why some things uh, have not yet been, um, you know, fixed to the way that we would like them to be. Um, we don't understand that. But if you will bask in the love of God, you'll have sanity. Um, otherwise, you could, you could, you know, rack your brain. Why hasn't God fixed COVID? Why hasn't God cured cancer? Why hasn't God cured my cancer? Um, you know, we have a, a woman in our church who had leukemia about nine years ago. And, um, you know, she was about ready to die, it seemed. And her husband and kids, I mean, they were thinking it's over. Well, she had really a dramatic, a dramatic healing. And, and she's given her testimony very humbly, you know, just how, you know, the Lord Jesus came to her bedside and, um, and he just invited her, just reach out and touch my robe. And, and uh, she said, well, Lord, I can't quite reach your robe. I mean, she was just at the point of death almost. And he's, and she's, and he said, well, here, I'll come closer. And so she touched his robe and, and, uh, and that began a, a, a process of healing. It wasn't instant. But I mean, my goodness, I mean, you look at her today, nine years later, and uh, I mean, so what God will do for, for some people with their physical health, not all get that healing. We don't understand why some do and some don't, but he will do that son for everyone spiritually who will reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, heal me. Dan Dozell, he's author at the Christian Post. You can find many of his articles written there, also a pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, thanks so much, as always, for taking the time to come out and talk with us, share your thoughts, and share your biblical expertise. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to many more conversations as the weeks and years go by. Well, thank you so much, Son. I sure look forward to that as well. And uh, uh, I just uh, pray that every listener, uh, you know, is blessed by what we talked about today. And, and uh, just uh, God's blessings to each one of you who are listening. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. And do tell a friend. Until next time, I'm Son Edom. God bless.